stand for just a moment. We're in the book of Job, chapter 1. I want to look at the end of chapter 1, and we'll kind of uh, go over a few things just to kind of get you up to speed on what's actually happening here. And so in Job chapter 1, look at verse 20. And this is at the end of Job's bad day. This is his response. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You may be seated. Now, when hardships come, often it can bring uh, us to the place of abandoning our faith sometimes, or behaving foolishly, or behaving almost like in the flesh. And so, what I want us to see is how did this man respond to a really bad day? What did he do differently than maybe what I might do? Uh, I can tell you that there's been tragedies in my household, and I've shared with you about uh, we actually lost two homes to fires. In the first one, no one died, but in the second one, uh, my sister passed away. She was eight months pregnant, uh, and her husband uh, ended up jumping out the window trying to pull her out, and he ended up, uh, if you know what a cellar is, <laughs> an old coal cellar was there. There was a bolt sticking out. When he fell, it went into the back of his head, and uh, he, he was just in terrible shape after that didn't really recall anything that happened. Uh, my aunt and my uncle were renting the house from us, and three of those children of hers died in that, or two of them died in that fire, and one of the boys' body was burnt over 50% of his body. He's still alive today. Uh, we call him Chip. His name's Marshall. And so I remember being in school. I was in the seventh grade. We lived out in the Chicago area in Calumet City, Illinois. Uh, we were attending First Baptist Church in Hammond, Brother Jack Howes' church out there at the time. And what happened was, is I remember my parents coming to school, uh, or my aunt coming to school to pick me up, and I knew something was odd, and my brother and sister were just little, and I remember riding, and I could look at my uh, aunt's face, my Aunt Janie was her name, uh, and Janie's face was just, I could see it almost contorted, and I could look in her face, and I could see, man, this is terrible, something's wrong. And I thought, maybe my mom has died, or my dad has died, or something's happened, I knew something was wrong, and I kept asking my aunt, and she said, Bobby... That's what she, everybody calls me back there. Bobby, we'll tell you when we get to the house. I'll let your dad tell you. So I knew something serious had gone down. And I remember walking into the house, and I could hear my mother in the room moaning. I mean, I could hear. Have you ever heard a deep moaning from sorrow? And I could hear that deep moaning from sorrow. I knew it was my mom. I could hear her voice. And my dad came out, and I could see the tears just flowing down his face, and I knew something serious had been wrong. Now, I knew mom was okay because I could hear her. I knew dad was okay because I saw him come out. And so when dad came out, he took us into the room, and he sat us down on the bed, and I just remember sitting there, and he began to share what I just had already shared with you. It was a bad day. It was a really bad day. And so what happens is, is what is our response to bad days? Now, I want to tell you, Job had a bad day. He had a terrible day. In fact, if you were to read with me through verses uh, uh, 12 through uh, uh, 19, you would see how bad it was. And we find in the life of Job, there was a personal loss. There was financial loss. There was family loss. There was his entire livelihood. Uh, what would seem to be, according to reading this, is just in moments this happened. Because it says, and well, they were yet speaking. The next person arrived to tell him what the next tragedy was. 
And so if you read verses 12 through 19, you see all this entering into his life, what seemingly was a moment in time. Now, here's the thing. The Bible teaches us that Job was a good man. He was a man that eschewed evil. He, he kept it out of his life. In fact, even while his kids were over there eating and drinking, he was concerned about them, so he did what he needed to do to make sure if there was any sin in their life, he wanted to get that covered. And so we see this man who then Satan and the sons of God, which I believe are uh, uh, just angelic beings that had fallen with Satan, come before God, and Satan wants to challenge God about Job. <laughs> Job responded in a very different fashion than maybe most of us would when a tragedy enters in. What was it like that day for us in my home? Well, it was tragic. I mean, there was a lot of chaos. There was even, I could see uh, my family members getting even angry with each other and yelling at one another and, you know, what happened? And I, I'm thinking to myself, didn't my sister just passed away? But you could see just all these different responses to, to what had occurred that day. And there are occurrences in life that can change your entire life. Would you agree with that? You can change it in the blink of an eye. Job's life was turned upside down in just a moment of time. And listen, that can happen to any one of us in here. It can be turned upside down in a moment. So God wants us not to turn to self in our times of trial or affliction or to the world or to world philosophies, but God desires for us to really, in those difficult times, to turn ourselves to him. Not to turn it back to the world and the world philosophies or self, but to turn to God in those moments. And so here's the challenge that I had for myself as I began to think about this. There will be times in our lives where no one on earth will provide you with comfort. Have you ever been there? Nobody can provide you comfort. Nobody can give you those words that you need to hear. Morgan Zwicker, a wonderful friend of mine, he was one of the deacons in my church in Colonial Beach. Uh, we had a family conference just like we had with Brother Knickerbocker here. That afternoon, his wife uh, died in an automobile accident, tragically. That afternoon, we had just started the conference. That Sunday, we had started that conference. Uh, or, I'm sorry, that Sunday, we were ending that conference, and, and we, were ha we had a picnic and everything. Man, everything was great. I remember Sharon looking at me, and she said, Pastor, I'll see you tonight. And I remember saying to Sharon, just as, like it's today, Sharon, I'll see you tonight. And I didn't. And that afternoon, Sharon went, and she was T-boned on the highway, and her life was taken instantly. It turned Morgan's world upside down. And I remember going over to see Morgan, and this was shortly after the occurrence, and it was probably about a day or so later. I remember going to his house, and I remember uh, coming over to him, and, and uh, Brother Jim, come up here and sit on the front row for a minute. And I remember coming over to his house, and, uh, and, and I remember talking to Morgan, and as I came in, I, I saw him there, and, and just put your head down. And, and I knocked on the door, and he said, come in. And I said, Morgan. And he had his hands over his face like this. And he looked up at me, and I could see in him just the intensity on his face. I mean, can you imagine? It's his wife. And I, I had nothing to say, Brother Chris. I walked over. I remember doing this, and I knelt down beside him. Morgan's one of my best friends, by the way. And I knelt down like this, and I took him by the hand, and I put my hand here. And you know what he said? Don't say anything. And I thought, wow. 
card, isn't it? He looked up at me and he said, you know, Pastor, how sometimes you can be with your wife and you can turn and look at her and for a moment you can think about her not being there. But then you turn away and you look back and she's still there. He said, I turned today and she's not there anymore. Please don't say anything. I said, can I pray? He said, yes. And I prayed. And I left. And you have a seat, Jim. To this day, we finally just discussed what was going on in his heart that day. He said, no human being, no man, was going to say anything to me that was going to change what had happened that day. And he said, Pastor, I needed God. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you, but I know we ought to have a godly response to no matter what happens to us. So the challenge to you as we go into the message this morning, what keeps you stable in your trials? What keeps you stable in your trials? Well, I want to show you what kept Job stable. I want to show you how he responded to a tragic day in his life. God wants to provide for your every need and believe me, including the need to comfort you in your times of trial and trouble and heartache. He wants to comfort you. And I believe there's some steps here that we must take uh, to avoid sinning in our times of trouble. If you look at verse 20, look at the last word in that uh, verse. The word worship is there. I want you to underline that in your Bible. I want you to underline the word worship in your Bible. In verse 21, I want you to look at the end of that verse, and it says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in verse 22, I want you to notice this. Nor charged God foolishly. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Nor charged God foolishly. So a bad day, would you agree? Bad day for Job, wasn't it? Uh, as you go through and you see, not only did he lose uh, his camels, his cattle, uh, uh, he lost his family, and all those things. And what seemingly seems to be just in a twinkling of an eye, it was all gone. It was over. And so what I want to challenge us with this is this. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell up, uh, down upon the ground and worshipped. One of the things that we ought to consider in our times of trial or our times of affliction is am I still worshipping God? Am I at the place where I'm going to fall to the ground, with my face to the ground, and worship God? Now, when difficulties enter into our lives, physical, financial, spiritual, I'll tell you what's easy to do. It's easy to fall into a negative attitude and negative spirit. Amen? We can, can't we? Uh, we can just slip right into a negative attitude and negative spirit and even become negative spiritually. I mean, maybe even to the place where we begin to curse just like Peter did that day. And what happens to us is our spirit changes pretty dramatically. And here's what happens. We tend to forget our relationship with God in the times of trouble. 
And what happens is, as many are aware of this man Job, but this tragic day that entered into his life, God did not tempt Job, but allowed him to be severely tested. And believe me, God does not tempt man. When tests enter into our life, God may let us go through something, but he's not tempting us. He's allowing us to be tested in our time because he's looking for something out of us, especially those of you that are saved. He's saying, are you going to remain faithful to me in the midst of your trial? What's my attitude and spirit like when the trial enters in? <laughs> Consider a day in the life of this man, that financial ruin, family tragedy, physical pain. Uh, to any of us, this would be a devastating day. A and listen, to no thought of recovery. How am I going to recover all of this? What's going to happen? I I've shared with my wife many a times, if it all goes away tomorrow, I have Christ Jesus. And I'm being honest with you folks. If it go all goes away tomorrow... You can't take away Jesus from me. <laughs> you can take the house, you can take the cars, you can take the clothes, you can leave me naked, but I have my Jesus, and you can't take him away from me. And what Job realized is even though he was in the midst of this trial, he, 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 he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he began to worship. Now, what then was the stability in Job's life in the time of his tragedy? I'm telling you, he worshiped because he knew God was the answer. He knew God was going to help him recover through all of this, whatever that might be. Job's demeanor and his sorrow as, as, as the full extent of misery could possibly be had at this moment. And, and listen, this horrific grief had entered into this man's life, and, and he doesn't know what to do. And what he does is the most important thing. He began to worship God. <laughs> he worshiped. He rent his mantle, which is a token of a broken heart. According to Joel 2.13, rend your heart and not your garments. A sign of severe grief or severe sorrow had entered into this man's life. He rent his mantle as a sign of what the sorrow was that he was feeling in his heart. I remember when my mom told me that my sister was dead, I, I, I thought to myself, what in the world? And you do, you feel this enraged feeling inside of you like you want something to change and you can change nothing and he rent his mantle for the sorrow of heart was upon him and listen you never know when that sorrow of heart is going to enter into your life and if you don't have Christ if you don't have a good relationship if you don't have that position with Christ Jesus listen it's going to be even tougher and what you need is Christ he shaved his head, putting off all over his mourning. He took everything off. Think about this. To the point where he took and physically shaved his head, he wanted rid of everything, didn't he? He rent his mantle. He shaved his head. And you look at this situation in his life, and I'm saying he, he lay down, and as deep as he could, he placed his face in the dirt to worship God because the pain was insufferable. It was hard. Job did not turn away from God. He didn't turn against God. He turned to God. What am I challenging you to do? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our hard hearts towards situations, don't turn away from God. Worship Him. We are given a principle that's also found in the New Testament. How many of you know this? And everything give what? And everything give what? Man, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. 
the young man who took the church down in Colonial Beach that is pastoring down there, James McGowan. We were moving from our old building to our new building, and we were all excited. Everybody was excited. So James and I were kind of left to take some chairs, and I had my old Ford F-100. <laughs> Three feet on the column, beat up piece of junk. Man, I loved it. <laughs> Wished I had it back today when I had to go change clothes in the new truck. So here it is. We're driving from Colonial Beach out to the property near King George, and we're taking the chairs out, and we're unloading the chairs, and we go in, and James gets a call. It's his wife, the police, actually calling and saying, listen, your wife was in a terrible automobile accident, and Hudson was just a baby at the time, and her sister was with her and said, you need to get down here now. And I, James told me, he said, Pastor, we need to go right now. I said, what's going on? The next words out of James's mouth was this to me. I'm supposed to be the senior pastor. <laughs> he looks at me and he says, Pastor, in everything give thanks, right? And I said, what's going on? He says, Elizabeth and her sister Amy were in a terrible accident. Hudson was in the back seat. The car is broken in half. I don't know. And I remember wanting to speed. Have you ever been in that mode? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm going to give this truck all it's got, man. And Brother Gerald, you drove it. You know it ain't got much, right? <laughs> so I was going to give it all it got to get down there. And we got down there, and I could see uh, Elizabeth standing there, but I saw Amy on a stretcher with a neck brace on and everything. And all I kept thinking is, where is Hudson? I mean, I was shaking, Chris. I was like, where's Hudson at? You know what I mean? And I just wanted to see the baby. I could see Amy on the stretcher. I could see Elizabeth standing there, and I was like, where's, where's Hudson, man? I mean, I, could, I was trembling. Brother Bill, I could feel it on the inside. I don't know if you've ever been there, man. I was just, I mean, I could feel it all over my body. And I just want to know, where's Hudson? And I remember all of a sudden just seeing Hudson, and I was like, oh, man, you could breathe. James, in the midst of all of this, said to me in that truck, and he did not know the fate of his wife, his sister-in-law, or his baby. He looked right at me, and I could see him almost welling up with tears and said, you pastor in everything, give what? Give thanks. Now I want to tell you, I've been in some tough situations, and I don't know that I follow that New Testament verse all the time. Now, maybe you do, and I know a lot of you are angelic in behavior and nature, and so I know that you follow that stuff, but man, there are times where I don't. I don't do this, but I'm telling you, God said, in everything, give thanks. Now, notice this, for this is the will of God. Whew, wait a minute. <laughs> concerning who? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, I want to tell you, you don't want to think in your heart uh, I think I'll go worship God right now. But I want to tell you, when James said that to me, that was a, a, a moment in time, just a moment in time where I realized how close we need to be to God all the time. And, and as I share that with you, what did Job do? Well, in Psalm 142, you might want to write this down in verses 1 through 3, and, uh, it, it says this, and David's speaking here, he said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. 
Then thou knewest my path. <laughs> God always knows where he's taking you. God always knows where he's taking you. And what it is, he said, I cried <laughs> I, with a loud voice. And he says this in that passage, I showed before him my trouble when my spirit was overwhelmed. Now listen, I don't know if you've ever been overwhelmed, but I have. And when I have been overwhelmed, I realize the best place that I can go is to get on my knees and worship my Savior. And I'm challenging you today that any time trial or affliction or trouble, whether it be family ruin, whether it be financial, a spiritual problem, a physical problem, listen, you need Jesus Christ to help you through that. You're not going to make it on your own. you got to have Christ. Now, our circumstances, no matter the outcome, should never dictate or change our relationship or our spirit or our heart toward our Savior. The answer to overcoming in times of trouble, what gives you that stability? <laughs> this one thing. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll help you overcome your trouble. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Job's our example. Secondly, this. Always praise God no matter how difficult the situation. Always praise God no matter what the situation Verse 21, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My mom had a different version of this. I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out of here. You came with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. You keep it up. That was my mom's version, by the way. And so when I read that, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I remember mom talking, you know what I mean? And here's the thing. Job said, listen, I had nothing. I had nothing, and I have nothing. And, and listen, the Lord, whatever I have, the Lord has given it to me, and the Lord's decided to take it home. This was a bad day for Job. And Job worshiped the Lord, and then it says this, and then, blessed be the name of the Lord. In the midst of his trial, he worshiped God, and he blessed the name of the Lord. He did not curse God. He blessed the name of the Lord in the midst of his trial. I've shared the story of my wife. She went in for a very serious surgery. We, we didn't know what all was going on, but when I first went in and we're going for the surgery, they, they take her in, and uh, she had something inside her thigh, inside her leg here, and uh, the doctor, I remember the surgeon's name, it was uh, Dr. King, and he took me out in the hallway, and my wife's laying there lethargic. She's got a high temperature, and, and she's not speaking, and he takes me out in the hallway, and he says, now listen, uh, Robert, I have to share something with you. If we do not do this surgery immediately, your wife is going to die. That was the first thing he said to me. Now, I was a father with four kids, and I remember my heart just palpitating, and I thought, what did you just say? And he said, now secondly, Robert, what I want to tell you is this. There's a possibility when we go in there, depending on what this is, we may have to take your wife's leg off all the way up above the knee, you know, up, up by the pelvis almost. Wait a minute. What are we talking about here? She didn't feel well. And he said, the best case scenario is we go in and we find out whatever that is, and we're going to go in there and we're going to take that out, and then this wound has to heal from the inside out. And I remember they came up, and it just seemed like forever to me, and it was late now into the night, and, and, and they came to take her, and I remember the nurse saying, would you like to kiss your wife? And she was laying, she wasn't moving. And I remember leaning over and kissing my wife, and I thought, what in the world? And my heart was just pounding. And when I walked into the 
to the to the uh, to the room there. They told me I could stay in there, and they had one of them really comfortable chairs. You know what I mean? The ones that lay back and you're as hard as a rock, and you lay in them. And and the blinds that were in the window, they were inside the window, and you could open or close them, but they were open, and the moon was shining in so bright. They had taken Anita away, and I said in my heart, I said, God, please don't take her now. And I didn't have my Bible, and I said, Lord, I, I need something, I need something, I need something. And I walk in, and there's one of them green Gideon Bibles laying there. And that Bible was laying there, and I said, okay, I'm opening this up, man. I got I to get along with God. I shut the door. I thought, man, I'm going to pray. I was kneeling down in the middle of the room. I stood up. I see this book sitting there. I open up the Bible, and I just said, I'm going to open it. Lord, you got to speak to me. And I read this verse. And said, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Thither the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, that is not the verse that I wanted to read. And I remember, Miss Fisher, I dropped to my knees in that room, and I started pleading with God to not take my wife that night. I said, Lord, I don't even want her leg to come off. Well, you know the end of the story. She's still here, right? So you're all excited for me. Amen. Clap. Yay! She's still here. Hey, listen. But at that moment in time, did I know anything? I knew nothing. I only knew my God. And I remember being in there, and I would gravitate toward being angry, gravitate toward being upset, gravitate getting ready to tell God something. And I would say, no, naked came I into this world. <laughs> Lord, give us the Lord, take us away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, please. And I just remember pleading with God. I think what we find here is a man who was so grieved, he understood what he was. And God allowed this to enter into this man's life. If, if the Lord were to bring you out of your troubled times quickly and swiftly all the time, we would think, well, he heard our prayer. But if he doesn't bring you out very quickly, we think he hadn't heard my prayer. But I want you to know, Job was praying, and his circumstances did not change immediately. He wanted to show Satan that there are people who love me and will love me regardless of their circumstances, and we need to do the same. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The tendency would be to start questioning God, wouldn't it? Now, let me tell you something. It's not wrong to ask God questions. It's wrong to question God. And when you get to the place where you say, what right do you have? What are you doing? You're questioning the power of God, aren't you? You're questioning what God's doing. But if you say, Lord, I don't understand, would you please bring understanding to my heart? That's asking God a question, isn't it, James? It's not questioning him. It's saying, Lord, help me, because I'm struggling. I don't know. And so the tendency would be to start questioning God. And if you would have been as, as, as in these times, in Job's circumstances, and you look at his situation and you say to yourself, how hard was this? And then his wife come along and say to him, what? Curse God and die. Whew. It's pretty tough, isn't it? I mean, it made it even harder for him. If you go read Job chapter 2 and verse 9, his wife told him, look, you, 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 know, you brought this on yourself, basically. You've obviously done something. You need to just curse God and die. You know, our heart, our spirit, our actions in our times of trouble can truly display what we've placed our faith in. Believe me, folks, I've seen people under pressure, and people change under pressure, do they not? 
Under pressure, minds change, attitudes change, spirits change, people change when under pressure. But listen, if in that pressure cooker, Jesus Christ is in that fiery furnace with you, listen, nothing, nothing can happen to you that God won't allow. And here's the thing. We need God in our times of trouble. Listen, Job fell to his face and began to worship God. Job began to bless the name of the Lord in the time of his trouble. When I look at this and you see Job 121, he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. We never know what a day can hold for us. And listen, we have to count on God. We have to count on Jesus Christ. And in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So whatever enters into your life, we have to come to the place where we say, Lord, thank you. Help me, Lord, because I don't get it. I don't get it, but I need you. Let me give you something to encourage you a little bit. <laughs> Consider the following and challenge yourself in your own heart to commit these verses to your heart. Let me give them to you, and you can write these down. Hebrews 13, 15. The Bible says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. How often should I do that? How often should I do that? Did it say when circumstances are bad, you can stop doing this? <laughs> when circumstances are great, you go ahead and keep on doing it. But when circumstances get bad, you don't have to bless the name of the Lord anymore. You just let that thing go. <laughs> but he said that, that, that our lips are continually praising him. Now, in difficult times, or even when you're going through life's mundane situations, it's sometimes hard to imagine that God cares for us. And I've been there. I'm thinking, does God really care about me today? <laughs> does he care about what I'm going through? Lord, can you not see what's happening? God, do you not see the circumstances that I'm in? Can you not help me here, Lord? Can you not see? And really all I'm doing is questioning God, aren't I? 1 Peter 5, 7, how many of you know that? Casting all of your care upon him for he... How many cares do we cast upon him? All of them. Casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. Number two... <laughs> Psalm 55, 22, I love this one. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Listen to me. God never said it's going away. He never said it's going away. But he did promise me this. He'll sustain you if you turn to him. If I cast that burden upon my Lord, the Bible says he will sustain thee. He'll take care of me in that time. And so the idea is, is casting all of my care upon him, for he cares for you, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Hebrews 13, 5, for he has said, I will never, what? Go ahead, you can say it. I know you know it. I will never leave thee, nor what? I'm not going to go away from you. That's the God that we serve. You know, our circumstances, no matter the outcome, should never dictate or change our relationship with God. It may help us grow, but we should draw close to him. And listen, the answer to overcoming times of trouble is to maintain stability, is to bless the name of the Lord. Worship him and bless his name. Now look, the last thing is this. In all this, Job sinned not. You ought to underline that in your Bible. In all this, Job sinned not. In all his trouble, what did he not do? In all his trouble, what did he not do? He didn't sin. What do we have a tendency to do in our trials? <laughs> we have a tendency to sin, don't we? And I want you to know this. It says he sinned not. Now notice this. Nor did something. What did he not do? Charged God what? Not. Foolishly. He didn't charge God foolishly. 
Now here's the challenge for you and me. Restrain yourself from unwise talk. How many of you know what I mean by unwise talk? How many of you talk to yourself? They're going to give me a white jacket pretty soon. The button's in the back. <laughs> I talk to myself way too much, Chris. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that what happens is, is we begin to do what up here? What do we do? Start talking to ourselves, don't we? We start telling ourselves stuff. Whether true or not, it doesn't matter. We just start talking to ourselves. How many of you have escalated a problem from something being minute to something major because you talked to yourself too much? Anybody with me on that one? Yeah. Huh? Listen, I know, I see some nodding heads because there's all of us in here have done that at some point in our life, have we not? We've taken this minor little thing and made it a major problem in our lives and God's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and we make it a major thing. When I look at this, it says, nor charge God foolishly. The third thing is, is in my times of trouble, don't get to the place where we do this self-talk and we start talking to ourselves and we start saying things that we ought not be saying. And we may not let them come out of our lips, but I want you to know the Bible also says that Job sinned not with his what? Lips. Lips. <laughs> and he didn't charge God foolishly. You know, there are times in life of a Christian that these tests enter in. And your faith, think about this, when we're on the mountain peak, it's not so hard, is it? <laughs> And we can show our faith. Oh, I have, man, I've got great faith. I'm on the mountain peak. But good night, when we get down here in the valley, what happens to us? Huh? <laughs> Where are you, God? What are you doing to me? And you say, preacher, I'd never, I'd never say those things out loud. No, but sometimes we think those thoughts, don't we? What did you let happen? What's going on? You see, when we get to that place, we start to charge God foolishly, don't we? We start to say things to God that we ought not say. By the way, if you go read Job chapter 42, you'll see God laid into him in the end about where his attitude got toward the end of this thing. And I, I just want to challenge you in this thought. Your faith often should be shown strong regardless of the situation. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Notice this phrase, and I want you to get a hold of this. But God is Able. faithful. Faithful. Who's faithful? In my temptation, who's faithful? In my temptation, who's faithful? God is. And you have to remember, in the midst of your temptation, listen, pray that ye enter not into what? Temptation, right? Pray and seek God in the midst of your temptation. Listen, he promised me this in that same passage. He said, he'll never send anything above what I'm able to handle. And listen, he said, he'll also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I believe that is turning, casting all of my care upon him, for he cares for me. I think that's casting my burden upon the Lord, for he shall sustain thee. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And if you're trying to get through your trial on your own, you are going to struggle, but don't sin. Don't sin. In troubled times, we can allow our flesh to rule our heart, can't we? Can't we get that way? In troubled times, and I'm not talking about this fleshly thing in here pumping blood. We learned that this morning in Sunday school, right? But we can allow the flesh to rule our day. If you walk in the Spirit, right? 
See, if you walk after the flesh, you'll feed the flesh. But if you walk after the Spirit, you'll be able to, in the Spirit, respond to things. Are you with me? You can't think that you're going to react in the flesh and be spiritual at the same time. It doesn't work. Because the flesh wars against the Spirit and the Spirit against the what? There's a battle going on in there. So here's the thing. In that midst of that battle, I have to choose. (laughs) Am I going to walk in the flesh or am I going to walk in the spirit? It's a choice being made. Here's what we do sometimes. We'll start to attack others. I didn't see Job attacking anybody. Sometimes we'll do it with vicious words. And even people whom we love who are trying to help us, we may feel that we have a right to vindicate ourselves by saying something nasty to them. Our vicious actions can come out and we'll try to attack other people's character and truly what we're doing is dismantling our testimony, are we not? And we can slowly dismantle our testimony because we're having a bad day. And we can start to dismantle what God has taken so long to develop in your life and in the blink of an eye you can start to dismantle it because you want to attack someone, something and you're not willing to drop to your knees and on your face and worship God and bless His name and not charge God foolishly. You come to the place where you say, I am angry and I have a right to do this. And that's called the flesh. Oh, but the Spirit will squelch that. Somehow we feel vindicated when we attack and all this. Job, sin not, nor charge God foolishly. Listen, a broken heart, a grieving heart, a spirit of brokenness, it can leave us to our own devices sometimes because we're not walking with God. We're not giving ourselves over to the Lord in those times. And it'll turn us over to our fleshly devices and we'll begin to behave just like a heathen, just like an unsaved person, just like somebody that knows not Christ. And we begin to behave in such a manner. And believe me, when I read the scriptures, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, do we? (laughs) And the Bible clearly teaches us, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And listen to me, what's Job's problem? (laughs) Get a hold of this. Was it not spiritual wickedness in high places? Was it not spiritual wickedness in high places? (laughs) Oh, Satan had his attitude, didn't he? Ah, the only reason Job's doing anything for you, man, you give him everything, you put a hedge about him. Hey, listen, you take care of him. And, and listen, you take all that away. And he says, I'll tell you what. <laughs> i tell you what, Satan. You, you go ahead. You do everything, but you can't take his life. And what was Job's response? Amen. He fell to his face. Oh, man. Can you imagine this? I mean, I could just see Satan there right now and just the mangled look on his face as Job fell on his face and began to worship God. As Job began to bless the name of the Lord in the midst of his trial, I could just see Satan seething at this situation. And as Job got to the place where he began to worship God and he blessed the name of the Lord and he, not, he said nothing foolishly about his God, I could just see the steam coming out of Satan's ears because he's fired up. <laughs> Because everything he just told God in the blink of an eye, when they were yet speaking, another came. When they were yet speaking, another came. When they were yet speaking, another came. Hey, listen, there was some serious trouble going down that day. And in the midst of all of that, he worshiped God, blessed his name, nor charged God foolishly. (laughs) How about you? Sometimes it doesn't even take anything major for us to get in the flesh, does it? 
It was Satan that came to God. Look at verse 7. I want to read through verse 11 and I'm done. Chapter 1 of Job. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and skeweth evil? I want to challenge you with something. I want you to write in your Bible, God said that about Job. Write in your Bible, God said that about Job. God said that. And God said this about Job. And here it is in verse 9, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? (laughs) What's he doing? He's mocking God, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Satan's mocking God. And, and in verse 10, hast, thou, hast not thou made an hedge about him and, and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. And here's God. But pour, put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thy face to thy face. Satan said, look, here's what's going to happen if we take all this stuff away. But what did God say about Job? What did God say about Job? Right? And you look at what Satan had thoughts of doing, right? And we look at all that happened to Job from verses 12 through 19, and what was Job's response? (laughs) He worshiped God, he blessed his name, and he charged God not foolishly. Now here's the thing. If you go on and read the story, we know how it ends. But here's the one thing I want to challenge you with. Never, never, Never attribute wrongdoing to your Savior. Never, never attribute sin to your Savior. Never attribute wrongdoing to your Savior. Never attribute sin to your Savior. Are you with me this morning? If you're here, say amen. Do not attribute sin to our Savior. He does not sin. He didn't sin while he was here, and he died for your sin. And he's not going to sin while he's in heaven to get something accomplished. (laughs) Your Savior does not sin. Never attribute this. This is foolish. This is frivolous. Listen, listen, make statements that, that trouble you to God. Say, God, I'm troubled by this, but don't you attribute sin to your Savior. Don't ever do that. You are wrong when you do that. The answer to overcoming in times of trouble to maintain stability... Avoid charging God foolishly. In your times of trouble, worship God, bless his name, and never charge him foolishly. Let's pray. Father.